This morning I'll be reading from Psalm 1. If you have a pew Bible, the Psalm 1 is on page 448. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but is but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Lord God, I am most thankful this morning for the fact that even when we were sinners, Christ died for us. That Jesus Christ emptied Himself and took on the form of a servant and became obedient all the way to death on a cross that we might be reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. And because of what You have done in dying for us and calling us and redeeming us and holding us, we have an eternal standing place that will never be blown apart by a tornado or a hurricane, or it will never degrade, it will never be defiled. It's kept in heaven for us by Jesus Christ Himself. You are our resting place, Christ, and we glorify You. We're simply asking, Lord, is that the way that You would have us go? And if it is, please lead us in that way. And if it's not, we say, Amen. Jesus is our resting place. We'll rent buildings for 50 years if we have to. Jesus Christ is our resting place. And it's in You that we trust, Lord. It's in You that we hope. But if You would give us a place to plant a church and build a building to train up the children, to train up adults, to go the way that they should go into all the world and declare the news that Jesus Christ is the Lord, if You would do that, then Father, do it in a way that brings great glory to Your name. And now, Father, as we turn our hearts to the Word of God, I pray that You would help us to hear it. Father, give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see these things as living realities and not just as words on a page. Help me, Father. Fill me with Your Holy Spirit. Fill me with authenticity and passion. And Father, give us all ears to hear and a heart that wants to receive the Word. So now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in Your sight. It is in the great and gracious name of Jesus Christ that we trust and pray. Amen. Well, Lord willing, we are going to take a a respite from Ephesians for about three weeks. This week I want to talk with you about the Word of God and about our reading plan and our Bible memory plan for 2008. And then next week, Lord willing, I want to talk with you about prayer and the place of prayer in the life of believers and the way that it's connected with the Word of God. To be a Christian is to be a person who delights in the Word of God and who delights to call upon the name of God in prayer. Those are our life's breath, friends. Without the Word and without prayer, we die. We die. And so Kevin and I thought it would be good to take a couple of weeks and preach into the Word and preach into prayer and try to fan the flame of our affections for these things over the next couple of weeks. 
And then in two weeks from this morning, Lord willing, Pastor Kevin will be bringing the message. I'm going to be taking some personal time that week. And so he's going to bring the message that week. But for now, let's turn our attention back to Psalm 1. We're just going to work our way right through this text. And then I'll come back at the end and say a few things about our reading plan and our memory plan for 2008. Psalm 1, 1 through 2 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Amen. So be it among us. You ever notice that the very first word in the book of Psalms is blessed, which means happy. It means happy. The very first word in this great book of Psalms is happy. God wants you to be happy. He created you for happiness. And He very much wants you to be happy for eternity, not just for a moment. And so Psalm 1 shows us three ways not to be happy in the long run. And it shows us one way to be eternally happy in the long run. If you want superficial, fading, disappointing happiness that will cause you to weep and gnash your teeth at the day of judgment, then follow in the ways of the world and seek your happiness there. But if you want long-lasting, deep, real, eternal happiness, then listen carefully to the, the words of Psalm 1 and do what they say, and you will know what it means to be happy forever and ever. Psalm 1 gives us three things that we are not to do and one thing that we are to do, so we're just going to work our way right through these now. First, the Lord tells us that we ought not to walk in the counsel of the wicked. The word wicked here means one who is guilty of a crime and thus deserves punishment. The wicked are those who sin against God, who make a life of sinning against God, and have no sense of remorse or repentance in their hearts at all. In fact, if you were to tell them that they are wicked in the sight of God, they would not believe you, and they would call you a bigot, and they would call you a hate monger. But no matter their protestations, in the sight of God, they are wicked because they have committed crimes against God, and they are therefore punishable by God. They have committed idolatry, because they have exchanged the glory of the wisdom of God for the vain glory of their own wisdom. And just so that I'm clear here, this definition implicates every single human being. Every person that does not believe in Jesus Christ and therefore is not in Christ, that person is wicked in the sight of God. And every one of us who do believe in Jesus Christ before we were in Christ, friends, we were wicked in the sight of God. Absolutely wicked. And under the just condemnation of God. And so we have no right as believers to lift our heads in arrogance over against those whom the Bible calls wicked because that was us too at one time. Every human being is implicated in verse 1 of Psalms. If you want to be happy, an eternally happy person, then do not walk in the way of the wicked. Do not heed the advice of those who shun the counsel of God and trust in their own counsel instead. 
If you want to be happy, do not follow in the ways of those who seem to be right now, but who later will weep and gnash their teeth at the day of judgment. And teenagers, I especially want you to hear, I've been praying for two days that you would really hear what I'm going to say today, because you will be spared a lot of suffering if you will listen to this psalm today. MTV and whatever else is out there shouting into your lives, they might seem right and appealing for the moment, but I promise you something, in the end, their way will lead to destruction. It will lead to death. So do not walk in the counsel of the wicked if you want to be happy, eternally happy. Number two, the Lord tells us that we ought not to stand in the way of sinners. Sinners are simply those who have been reckoned offenders by God, and they also have come under the just condemnation of God which again implicates us all, doesn't it? The word here literally means to miss the mark. And so it's like you pull out an arrow and shoot and you miss your target. And the way these people have missed the mark is by shunning the Word of God for their own counsel. They belittle the Word of God because they think that they're right about whatever it is that they're thinking about or whatever it is that they're doing. But they're not right. And they don't know what they're doing. The sinners are like a five-year-old boy who thinks he knows how to drive his car better than his dad. And so somehow he gets the keys and he gets out to the car and he puts the keys in, starts it up, puts it in gear, hits the gas, seems to be in control, seems to be happy, but at the crucial moment he can't reach the brakes and he crashes the car. It causes great damage to life and property. That's what sinners are like. They seem to be in control now. They seem to be happy now. But in the end, their way will lead to destruction. And so if you want to be happy, eternally happy, then do not stand in the way of sinners. Now when the Lord says that we ought not to stand in the way of sinners, He does not mean that word stand in a passive sense. He does not mean don't go and stand where the sinners are, otherwise you might be swept along by what they're doing, as as though you're just inactive in the process. You just happen to be there, and next thing you know, you're going downstream with the sinners. That's not what this word means here. This word, in Psalm 1, verse 1, means to take your stand. It means to form an opinion and not change your mind. It means to stand and keep on standing, to stake your ground and refuse to be moved. And so what the Lord is saying is, don't take your stand among sinners. Don't side with sinners over against God. And believe in the counsel of sinners over against the counsel of God. Do not do that. Don't be deceived. If you want to be eternally happy, friends, don't follow in the way of sinners. Because though they seem right now, and maybe even happy now, in the end, their way will lead to death and weeping and gnashing of teeth. Number three. The Lord tells us that we ought not to sit in the seat of scoffers. Scoffers are people who constantly deride and scorn and mock other people. Whoops. They are self-righteous. They are self-absorbed. They are critical. They are caustic people. They are always condemning others. They're the kind of people 
who have perfected the art of finding all the problems with everything and everybody that they see. Do you know anybody like that? You could bring them the best news in the world and the scoffer will find everything that's wrong with it. And the reason the scoffer is like that is because they have rejected the counsel of God and delighted in their own counsel instead. They have chosen to taste their own bitter drink rather than the life-giving water of the Word of God. And so everything they look at is just totally distorted because they're looking through the lens of their own perspective and not the perspective of Almighty God. Oh, that the scoffer would forsake his ways and simply delight in the Word. If he would do that, or if she would do that, he or she would find a life of thankfulness and helpfulness and optimism and worship. But for now, the scoffer seems to have chosen their own counsel and their own bitter drink. Now again there, if you look at verse 1, when the Lord says we ought not to sit in the seat of the scoffers, He doesn't mean don't go and, and sit with them for a moment and kind of see what they're up to. He doesn't mean just sort of don't pass by and, and, and check in with them. The word sit can literally mean to dwell in a place or to remain in a place. And the word seat can also be translated a dwelling place, like a house or something like that. So what the Lord is saying is, friends, if you want to be happy, don't dwell where the scoffers dwell. I don't know if you have found this in your life, but I have found that when I'm near a scoffer, it's so easy to pick up their manner of thinking and their manner of talking. When you're around negative, critical people, it's just so easy to go there, isn't it? And so the Bible's saying, if you want real joy, everlasting joy, then don't dwell with the scoffers. Don't take up their way of life. Don't do what they do. Don't say what they say. If you want to be happy, get as far away from the scoffers as you can possibly get. Our God and Father very much wants us to be happy people. It's His design for your life. You were created for happiness. And so He tells us three things. Don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Don't stand. Don't take your stand in the way of sinners. And number three, don't dwell with. Don't sit in the seat of mockers. And then instead of all these things, He gives us one positive, life-giving, joy-producing piece of advice. And it's this. Meditate, delight yourself in the Word of the Lord, and on His Word meditate day and night. If you want to be happy, that's what you ought to do. The word delight here means to take pleasure in something. It means to long for something so much that you forget about other things and even deny yourself other pleasures that are pulling on your heart so that you might have that thing. In the words of Psalm 19.10, David gives us a real glimpse into what it looks like to delight in the Word. If you'll listen to this carefully, you'll understand what delighting in the Word of God means. Here's what he wrote. More to be desired are they, that is your laws, than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Friends, we may say, that we delight in the Word of God when it is more pleasurable to us than all of the possessions and all of the pleasures of this world. 
We may say that we delight in the Word of God when we pursue the Word of God with more passion than we pursue the possessions of this world, like gold, even much fine gold. We have more passion for the Word than even that, than we delight in the Word. We may say that we delight in the Word of God when the sweetness of the Word of God is more sweet to us than all of the pleasures that this world can afford. Food or sex or any kind of activity or whatever. When the pleasures of this flesh mean less to us than the pleasures of the Word of God, we may say that we delight in the Word of God. When given the chance to choose between the Word and other things, we choose the Word. That's what it means to delight in the Word of God. Delighting in the Word of God is not merely acknowledging that the Bible comes from God. And it's not even acknowledging that the Bible is inerrant and infallible, which is to say without error, and that the Bible never fails. If you look at Gallup and Barna, there are millions of Americans today that will acknowledge those facts. And yet, they never read the Bible, they never seek to understand the Bible, and they don't obey the Bible. And if they don't repent, they will perish in their ways. To acknowledge that the Bible comes from God is not to delight in the Word of God. To delight in the Word of God is to choose it over all the possessions and all the pleasures of this world. To delight in the Word of God is to have such passion to know God that we consistently put forth the effort to hear the Word preached and to read the Word and to memorize it and meditate on it and obey it and teach it. Delighting in the Word of God, in other words, friends, is not an abstract issue. It has to do with your daily life habits. And the person who truly delights in the Word, it will be shown by the way they live their lives. The one who delights in it, reads it, understands it, and seeks to obey it. This is why the Lord said there at the, at the second part of verse 2, In His law, He meditates both day and night. The person who delights in the Word makes a life of the Word, is what the Bible is saying. This word here for meditation is really an interesting one. There are several words in Hebrew and Greek for meditation, but this one is really interesting. It literally means to to utter or to moan or to speak. And sometimes it can even be translated to growl when when it has to do with animals and such. It means to ponder something so deeply in your heart that you talk to yourself about it. It means to conceive and utter something out of your heart. So have you ever been thinking about something so deeply that you find yourself actually talking out loud about it or making hand gestures? Or more to the point, someone else catches you talking out loud or making hand gestures. This has been many years ago now. Rachel was really little. She's probably two or three years old. Just a real little girl. She's in the back seat. I'm driving down the road. I'm thinking about something deeply. I was in seminary, so probably some theological something or other. And I began talking out loud to myself. And Rachel said from the back seat, Daddy, what did you say? And I told her, no, Rachel, I was just talking to myself. I wasn't talking to you. And so about two or three days later, the same thing happens again. But this time Rachel says to me, Daddy... Are you talking to yourself? <laughs> and to this day, sometimes she'll say to me, when she catches me muttering underneath my breath, she'll say, Daddy, are you talking to yourself? And the answer to that question is yes. And in a word, what I'm doing is meditating. 
The thing that I'm thinking about in my heart is so moving my heart that it bubbles up and mutters out of my mouth. Joshua 1.8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Or if I could put this in the words of Psalm 1. He's saying, delight yourself in the law of the Lord day and night, and think about it so often and so deeply that you find yourself muttering about it. The things that you mutter about are probably the things you care the most about, because you're unconsciously just talking to yourself. So do you ever catch yourself muttering about the things of God? If you do, you probably are a person who delights themselves in the Word of God. And when you do that, when you live a life so saturated with the Word and the ways and the presence of God, you will be a happy person, friends. You will be eternally happy. Oh, how I pray that this church will have ears to hear this morning what the Lord is saying to the church. Friends, make a life of the Word of God. Listen to it preached. Read it. Study the Word. Memorize the Word. Meditate on the Word. Obey the Word. Teach the Word. Make a life of this Word day and night, and you will know the happiness of God. You may suffer in this life. Indeed, you will suffer in this life. But if you are one who delights in the Word of God, friends, I'm telling you, deep in your soul, you will be happy. You may be going through something even right now. You might feel like the floods are just coming over your head and you're afraid they're going to sweep you right downstream. But I promise you something because the Bible promises us this. If you will delight yourselves in the Word of God, you will be happy even in the midst of the flood. Circumstances will go up and down. Blessings will come and go. Pleasures will come today and go tomorrow. But the one who delights in the Word of God, that person's happiness lasts Forever. Forever. It's not subject to the flow, the ebbs and flows of the circumstances of this world because it's grounded in something so much deeper than circumstance. Namely, the being of God Himself. And if you delight in God, and God cannot be moved, then your happiness, your joy also cannot be moved. And friends, one day... The Bible promises us in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 8, you can look at that later. It says that your Father, Almighty God, will take you up into His very lap, and He will take His very hands, and He will wipe away the tears from your eyes, and all mourning will be gone, and all crying will be gone, and all pain will be gone. The former things will pass away and the new things will come and you will know eternal bliss. That's the promise for those who delight themselves in the Word of God. Eternal bliss. You will understand that the words spoken in Psalm 1611 are not just religious words. This is living reality. Listen to this. David said, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures evermore. I promise you, friends, because the Bible promises you, if you will be one who delights in the Word of God and makes a life of the ways of God, not just a hobby, 
but this is your life, you will know eternal bliss. And those words will not just be religious-sounding words to you. That will be living reality for you in all circumstances of life. If you want to be happy, eternally happy, then do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Do not stand in the way of sinners. Do not sit in the seat of the mockers. But delight yourself in the law of the Lord. And on His law, meditate both day and night. And you will be blessed. You will be happy. That's a promise from the Lord. Now in these verses... The Lord goes on in verses 3 to 6 to give us several reasons why delighting in the Word of God makes us happy. I see five things, and I'll share those with you now and then come back and talk about our reading plan and the memory system. First of all, those who delight themselves in the law of the Lord are happy because they're well planted and therefore they're stable. Their lives are stable. By the grace and power of God, their lives are in a sense immovable. And the word here for planted is only used about 10 or 12 times in the Bible. And almost every time it actually means transplanted and not just planted. And I find that so meaningful. Because the truth of the matter is that we who do delight in the Word of God, at one time we were wicked. We were the sinners. We were the scoffers. And the only reason that we're not that way today is because of the grace and mercy and power of God that moved us out of that way of life and transplanted us right by the streams of living water. We are a transplanted people. Amen? It's simply the mercy of God that has caused us to stand there and will keep us standing there. And so I love to think of us as a transplanted people. And the reason that makes us happy is this. If God transplanted us, then who will change His mind? You tell me who's going to go by the streams of God and uproot what God has planted. It will not happen. God is more powerful than you can possibly imagine. And the one who is planted by the streams of living water will stay planted forever. Blessed be His name. That makes us happy. That security we have in Him is greatly joy-producing. Greatly joy-producing. Number two, those who delight themselves in the law of the Lord are happy because by His law, they are well-nourished. They're well-fed people. Even as the tree sucks its life out of the stream by which it's planted, so the lover of God sucks his or her life out of the Word of God by which he or she is planted. It is our life. It's our nourishment. It's our food. It's everything for us. And the reason that the lover of God prospers in his way, and the reason that he's happy, is because he lives close to the stream. And he's constantly delighting in it, taking it in, eating it. And he's nourished. He's well fed. I've heard many Christians say over the last 20 years of walking with the Lord that they didn't feel like they were being well fed. Part of that is because their churches may not be teaching them the Word, and part of that is because on their own time they're not delighting in the Word. Friend, the way to be well fed is to delight yourself in the Word of God every day. Make a life of it, not a hobby of it, and you will be well nourished. And I promise you, a well nourished person is a happy person. 
He's a happy person. You don't have to worry about, oh, how will I eat? How will I drink? But by His Word, the Lord is constantly providing for you. Number three, those who delight themselves in the law of the Lord are happy because they're fruitful people. They bear fruit in season. That produces a lot of joy for them. Trees were not meant just to drink up the water, right? They were meant to bear fruit. And that fruit was not for themselves, but the fruit was for the good and the joy of other people. It's the same way with lovers of God. We were not meant just to delight ourselves and nourish ourselves in the Word and just become big, fat, spiritual people. That's not the picture. We're supposed to bear fruits for the glory of God and for the good of other people. And the Bible promises us, friends, when we delight ourselves in the Word in season, we will bear fruit. And even in those seasons where we're not bearing fruit, where the Word of God is not bubbling up and producing things that nourish other people, the promise of the Bible is that our leaf will not wither. And here's how I read that. I think what that means is, even when you're not producing fruit, the tree remains alive. The tree will never die. In those seasons where there's not a lot of fruit bearing, maybe some of you are in that season right now and you're feeling discouraged. You haven't seen a lot of fruit. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters. If you delight in the Word, what's happening in this season is you're storing up all the nutrients you need to bear the fruit in the next season. If you delight in the Word of God, in season you will bear fruit according to the good pleasure of God. And that will make you so happy. Friends, I remember who I was before I was in Christ. I was wicked. I was absolutely wicked. And now... Jesus Christ, through me, this wicked man, is bearing fruits? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And it produces great, great joy for the delighter in the Word of God. Number four, those who delight in themselves in the law of the Lord are happy because they prosper in all that they do, the Bible says. Now that doesn't mean that we're all going to become rich. I bet you most of us would testify that Christianity has not made you rich. And it's not meant to make you rich. I know some very wealthy believers that love Christ with all their hearts, and I praise God for them. But that's not what this means here, that if you delight in the Lord, you'll become rich. That's not what the word prosper means. What it means here is that everything you put your hand to, you will succeed. You will succeed in everything you do when... And only when you delight yourselves in the Word of God. And here's why, I think, at least two reasons. On the one hand, our God, our Father, is eminently wise about everything. He knows everything there is to know about everything. Quentin, when I was painting, I used to think to myself, God actually knows more about painting houses than I do. And I've been painting houses since I was 16. He knows everything about everything. And friends, when you delight yourself in the counsel of the Lord to where you listen to it and you actually obey it, then guess what? Things go well. It's just like I told you with pastors in the life of the church a few weeks ago. When you just read the Bible, see what it says to do, and then you do it, things go well. You succeed at whatever you put your hands to when you follow the counsel of the Lord. Now, on the other hand, what I think this means is 
that the person who truly delights in the law of the Lord and is constantly dying to the delight they have in their flesh and the world, at the bottom of their heart, their desire is to glorify God in everything. Their, their real desire is not for themselves. Their real desire is for God to look as He is, beautiful in everything that they do. And so even when that person fails, as this world counts failure, they succeed. Because when you delight in the law of the Lord, the Lord will be glorified in your life, no matter come what may. Even if this person suffers, gets cancer, there's some way that they will succeed, they will prosper in their way, because at the bottom of their heart, their desire isn't even to live. Their desire is to glorify God, and that is life for them. So the one who delights in the Lord and the law of the Lord will prosper in everything that they do. And it just makes sense, doesn't it? That if everything you do goes well, you will be a happy person. You will be a joyful, satisfied person. So submit yourselves to the counsel of God and love His glory more than anything. Friends, you will be happy. You will really be happy. Finally, number five. Those who delight themselves in the law of the Lord are happy because they're not going to suffer the fate of the wicked. And by the grace of God, they know it. God has made that known to us. They will not suffer the fate of the wicked and they know it. The wicked seem very strong right now, don't they? If you're a person who watches a lot of television, I bet you it's very difficult for you not to be persuaded by the wisdom and the ways of the world because it seems so strong and it seems so right. But what does the psalm say? It says that in that final day, they're just going to be like chaff that blows away in the wind. You know what chaff is? When they used to gather the wheat, they'd throw it on a threshing floor and then someone would take a pitchfork and go into the wheat and throw the wheat up in the air and let the wind blow the chaff away. The chaff was the waste product. And then they would gather the chaff up and they would just burn it. The wisdom of the world that seems so strong right now will simply be like chaff in that final day, blown away by the wind and burned up by the fire. In that day, the wicked who seem so right now will not be able to stand in the day of judgment, the Bible says. No matter what their excuses, it's not going to work in the presence of God Almighty. Their ways will be found to be what they are, and they will lead to destruction. The wicked seem so stable right now. But what does the psalm say? The psalm says that in that day, they will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. One way to think about that is, they will be shut out from the eternal joy that you and I will know forever and ever and ever. And not only will the wicked and the sinners and the scoffers be punished, but friends, the Bible says the very last line of Psalm 1, their very way of life will perish and it won't be remembered anymore. The wisdom of the world that seems so pervasive now and so overwhelming right now, one day will seem to us like just what it is like a vapor, like a blade of grass that comes up today and is gone tomorrow. It will be obliterated in the sight of God and we will remember it no more. But none of these things are so for those who delight themselves in the Lord. For the Lord Himself will be their reward. And the reason that those who delight in the law are happy... One of the reasons is because they know that this fate that the wicked will endure 
we will not endure that fate. I was thinking about this earlier this week, and it made me think of Noah, how he was out there for a hundred years or something like that, building this boat, and everybody just thought he was a nut job. He's totally crazy. If you read the Bible carefully, you'll see the argument is that it had never rained before. And now Noah's talking about this stuff called rain, and they're like, what is wrong with you? You need Prozac or something. Something's wrong with you. You need to be hospitalized. And he said, no, no, I will not suffer your fate. I will know the blessing of God. And he waited, and he waited, and he took the scorn. And friend, in the end, Noah was right, and the whole rest of the world was wrong. Why? Because Noah delighted in the counsel of God over against the counsel of the world. And if we do that as well, we will be very happy people indeed. Now one of the main functions of pastors, as I argued a couple of weeks ago from Ephesians 4.11, is to equip the people of God by teaching them to delight themselves in the Word of God. And so as part of fulfilling our calling, Kevin and I have chosen a, a Bible reading system for 2008 that we'd like to encourage you to consider reading through. And we have developed, along with Mike Perry here, a Bible memory system that we'd very like, much like to encourage you to pray about engaging in with us. So I want to talk with you a little bit about both of these things, and then I'll pray for us, and we'll be done. You should have received in your bulletins this morning uh, something that looks like this. It's called the Discipleship Journal Reading Plan. If for some reason you didn't, or if you need more, there are a bunch more of these out on the welcome table out there. You're free to take as many of them as you want. There are several reasons why we chose this plan. If you'll open it up with me, you'll see there in January... And in every month, in fact, they have us reading in four different places. And I like that because it gives you a, a broad perspective of the Bible. And it helps you to see connections between one part of the Bible and another that you might not otherwise see. So I like it for that reason. Number two, if you'll notice, it only has you reading 25 days every month. And that means that three to six days every month, depending on how long the month is, you get those days off. And that's really great. For those times when you're really busy and you, you just can't get to your reading or you neglected it, you forgot it, whatever, you've got some flex time there in every month. And I've really appreciated that. I think I've used this system, I think this is the fifth year now that I've used this system and I've really liked that a lot. And then finally, number three, for those of you who for whatever reason just feel like you can't read through the whole Bible in one year, and by the way, it only takes 15 to 20 minutes of reading every day and you can work through the Bible in a year. How much time do you spend watching your favorite TV show or, or listening to your favorite radio show or hanging out on the internet or whatever? 15 to 20 minutes a day is all you need. You'll get all the way through the Bible. So I think every one of you can do it. Children, even you. Every one of the children in this room, you could read through the Bible this year. But if for some reason you feel like you can't, that's fine. There are four options here. You just choose one or two or three of these columns and read through a part of the Bible this year and get the rest of it next year. So it allows flexibility. Those are just some of the reasons why we like this and why we're commending this to you. Now, I want to say that our primary objective here this morning is not to get you to read in this particular plan. We just want you to read the Bible. You can't delight in something that you don't read, right? You can't delight in the law of the Lord if you don't read the law of the Lord, so we want you to read it. And if another system works for you, praise God. That's fine with us. But we do think that there's a beauty and a wisdom to the whole church reading in basically the same place at basically the same pace. It's so joy-producing when you're in a prayer meeting or when you hear someone pray publicly 
and they're praying about a verse that you've been thinking about this week because you've already been reading in that same place along with them. Or when you're out having coffee and you're talking and the person says that they've been thinking about something in Genesis or whatever and you've been thinking about it too because you were reading in that place. And so we think there is wisdom to us doing this together as much as possible. And again, we're just asking you, please pray about this. Please pray about it. Mainly what we want to do is is help you delight yourself in the law of the Lord. Now, about the Bible memory system, at Glory of Christ, we have eight main values. I'm not going to wrap them off for you here. I'll just have Mike put them up on the screen there and you can see them. What we did is Kevin and Mike and myself, we took these eight values and we searched the scriptures and we found a bunch of texts, I think 24 texts for each scripture, so that in four years we memorized whatever... How many ever verses that ends up being? I think we memorize 48 passages per year because we take four weeks of review times four years. So you can figure out the math. It's a lot of scripture over four years. And they're in accord with our values. And so what we've done is we've developed a couple of things that will help you. First of all, I put together these business card things. And after church today, I plan on emailing this to everyone whose email address I have. They're all formatted to fit on business cards that you can buy at Office Max or Office Depot or wherever you like to shop. You can just print them right out and you'll have them there. It has the scripture uh, address there. This one is Psalm 8.1. And it has the theme right here or the value that we're studying. This one is God. And then the text of the scripture. And then it says year one, week one, year one, week two, year one, week three, and so on and so forth all the way to year four, week 49 or 50 or whatever that is. So they'll be there for you in your email box sometime this afternoon. If you don't have access to computers and or you don't have the money to buy the card stock, we've got a bunch of these sitting out there on the on the welcome table. And if they all disappear, that would uh, gladden my heart and we'll make more for next week. Finally, I just want to bring your attention to this, this bookmark that should also have been in your bulletins. On one side, this just gives some suggestions for how to memorize the Bible and how to keep it in your mind. And then on the other side, it has a summary of this year's Bible memory verses. So in the first column, it says what week it is. The second column, it tells you the theme. And in the third column, it gives you the scripture text. And so you can just stick this in your Bible and you always have it with you. Or I don't know if some of you have that too. I have a little Bible that fits in my pocket. And so I just fold this thing in half just like so. And I just stick it in my Bible and I always have it with me. So if I'm somewhere and I find all of a sudden I have 30 minutes and I don't know what to do with it, I just pull out my scripture memory thing and I begin working on my scripture memory verses. So those are a couple tools that we developed for you. But brothers and sisters, the bottom line is this. We as your pastors who will have to give an account for your souls simply want you to delight yourselves in the word of God. We long for your happiness. We really do. Kevin and I pray for your happiness. We pray for your blessing. And so we want you to delight yourselves in the Word of God. We want you to know what the psalm means from first-hand experience when it says, Blessed is the one who delights himself in the Word of God and on his law meditates day and night. Oh, how we want those words to be more than religious abstractions for you. We want those to be living realities for you. So I plead with you now, as I've been pleading with my own soul this whole week, delight yourselves in the Word of God. And if you already are a delighter, delight yourselves more in the Word of God. Ask the Lord to increase your passion, to increase your affections for His Word. 
and you will be eternally happy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the Bible. Oh, what would we do without the counsel of the Lord? We thank you so much for Psalm 1, Father. We thank you for your wise words to us that says, Do not, do not walk in the way of the wicked or stand, take your stand in the way of the sinners or sit in the seat of the mockers, but delight yourselves in my law and on my law meditate day and night. Oh, how we need this counsel, Father. How we appreciate this counsel. How we take joy in the fact that our happiness is in your heart. You want us to be eternally happy people. We thank you for that, Father. Now I pray that you would use the Word of God and cause us to rise up and delight ourselves in your Word, Father, this very day. May we choose your Word over everything else this day and delight ourselves in it. I pray, Father, for especially the men here who lead households. Father, how I pray that they would rise up and become men of God who savor the Word of God, read the Word of God, study it, memorize it, obey it, and lead their families to do the same things. Cause us, Father, to rise up and be people of the Word because we love you, Father. We want to know what you have to say to us and we want to do what you have to say to us. So please, God, for the glory of your name and the good of your church and the salvation of the lost, make Psalm 1 live for us this day, we pray. In Jesus' mighty and merciful name, we both trust and pray. Amen.